0: Thanks to some great reporting from The Athletic, we now know a lot more about what was going on behind the scenes that allowed Ryan Poles to pull the trigger and trade down to the ninth overall pick with the Carolina Panthers. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And on the show today, we're getting to know more about what happened that led the Bears to ultimately make the trade down from the number one overall pick when they did, how some of the negotiations worked behind the scenes, both from the Bears' perspective and from the Panthers' perspective that set the stage for this deal to be done done and, and made when it did. We'll find out how close the Bears were to some other potential trade options, how close the Panthers were to some other potential trade options. The kind of surprise Chicago sports figure that Ryan Poles turned to for advice during this process and some of the different things that the Panthers also looked at during this process. And we'll wrap up with a a check-in on, I think, why the Bears were comfortable moving down to nine with a little bit of a new update on one of the potential players in the top 10 of this draft staking his claim as a pick or as a prospect that belongs to be picked in that range but we got a bunch of new details from the athletic in a new article that came out on Monday called how the bears and panthers swung the blockbuster trade for the NFL draft's number 1 overall pick and full and complete credit is due to some great reporting from Joe Person, Adam Johns and Kevin Fishbane all at the athletic who compiled their respective reporting and, and conversations with each general manager and other people around the organization to really give us a better sense behind the scenes of what led up to this trade actually happening. And so I, I wanted to go through some of the most interesting, notable details that I think we didn't we didn't either, either suspected and didn't know concretely or had no idea about heading into this trade. And now kind of gives us a, a more holistic understanding of why the Bears approached it the way that they did. The the nugget that stood out the most to me was that we, we knew and had heard from Ryan Poles that he was interested in trying to do a double trade down to move from one to two with the Texans and then try and trade down a second time from two to potentially nine or any of the other teams that would want to move up. And what was curious to me that came out in this reporting from The Athletic was that the Carolina Panthers essentially said they were on board with that plan that they were fine if the bears wanted to move the two and then the panthers would then move to two and the bears would still be at nine but would get compensation from the texans to go to two and then from two to nine would be slightly less compensation for the panthers because they would be moving one less spot farther up but apparently the panthers kind of after the combine and in this process they felt like they were comfortable with two quarterbacks in this draft that you know what not that they didn't have a preference or might not still have a preference and certainly wanted to be the number one pick in order to have their choice of the two. They felt like there were multiple guys, two guys in particular, who they didn't name by name, but we can assume are CJ Stroud and Bryce Young that they were comfortable with and could feel like they could be happy at two, getting whichever one of those two guys ultimately falls to two. And yet it was the Houston Texans that weren't ready to make that double trade up. And that's where we saw Ryan Poles opt not to right because he wanted to take advantage of the moment get the deal done take the sure thing opportunity that was there from the panthers to go from nine to one as opposed to waiting on the move down to until you know the texans decided that they were ready and maybe they decide they don't want to trade down and then all of a sudden You've missed all this time that you could have made a trade with another team or maybe other teams also start to be less interested over that time. And it became this risky play for the Bears GM to figure out, okay, how long do I wait? How long can I get away with waiting, especially because the combine, according to polls, really seemed to solidify the decision in his mind? Because we know the Bears met with all of the quarterbacks or the top quarterbacks, at least. At the nfl scouting combine and ryan polls in this reporting from the athletic basically said you know we were really impressed by the interviews we did with all four of those quarterbacks and while we weren't impressed enough with them to want to draft them number one and move on from justin fields he did get the impression that if they interviewed that well with the bears they were likely going to interview that well then with all of the other teams and so those teams may start to fall in love with those quarterbacks after really getting to sit down and interview them in person at the combine. And that might make them more inclined to want to make a deal to give up a little bit extra to get up to the number one overall pick. And so that's why I think he saw some, some feeling of like striking while the iron's hot, especially because you know, the bears were not the only team that teams could have traded up for the Panthers in this reporting talked about the Arizona Cardinals at three talked to the Cardinals about what it would take to trade up to that spot. They also talked to the Seattle Seahawks, who have the fifth overall pick, about what it would take to trade up to that spot. So, I mean, I genuinely believe, you know, the Panthers were also weighing their options and saying, you know what, like, we would like to be at one, but that's not the only place we have to trade up to. And certainly if we like two quarterbacks and the Bears stay at one and take Will Anderson and then the Texans take a quarterback, like, we'll still get our quarterback. Is there is there that much desperation to trade up to one? Well, eventually there was eventually that the two teams reached a agreement in terms of negotiation to find the right, the right trade value that both sides could be most comfortable with. But even that was quite a bit of a, a back and forth process that we, we started to learn a little bit more about how the bears viewed the value they were trying to get at that position or that, you know, that position in the draft versus how the Panthers viewed, how much they were giving up to move up for that spot and, Ultimately, why Carolina upped the offer to, to put it over the top and get a deal done. We'll we'll sift through those details and get a better sense of the negotiations and, and Ryan Poles' mindset next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is powered by Built Bars, the makers of the world's best tasting protein bars. I actually have a Built Bar sitting right next to me here. Uh, off screen for the podcast. It's going to be my treat for when I'm done recording this podcast. I love them. I eat them every single day because Built Bars are low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein, but they taste like candy bars. And right now we're doing a Built March Madness Bracket to vote on which flavor of Built Bars are truly the best. And we are in the Built Championship Round between Salted Caramel and Brownie Batter Puff. Two of my favorite flavors, two flavors that I frequently have in my own pantry And it's really hard to pick between which one is the best built bar flavor, but I personally lean a little bit brownie batter puff. But hey, here's the thing. You go over to builtmarchmadness.com and vote for your favorite. You'll be entered in for a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners will win a free box of built bars. Not only that, but one locked on fan will win a 12 month subscription to have built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. So go check out builtmarchmadness.com to vote for your favorite bar puff. And while you're there, Pick up a box for yourself. You can enter daily, so make sure you hop in and support your pick. Chicago Bears general manager Ryan Poles had to make sure he was ready to support his pick to move down to the ninth overall spot. And this reporting from The Athletic gave us a better glimpse of how the negotiations happened here. That, you know, early on, the Panthers made an offer, you know, pre-combine or heading into the combine that was just all draft picks. And Ryan Poles, it sounds like felt pretty strongly like he needed a player in this, in this trade down. That it was such a such a value to be able to trade down from the number one overall pick that it's rare to be able to get a good veteran player like this via trade. And having an asset as valuable as that top pick has the type of sway to be able to pry a player like D.J. Moore from the Panthers. And we we had already heard, but this article tried to confirm that you know, Ryan Poles asked for one of three players to be included or three guys that were kind of his go-to options. It was, of course, D.J. Moore at wide receiver. It was defensive tackle Derek Brown from Auburn, their first round pick in 2020. And then, of course, the edge rusher Brian Burns, the 2019 first round pick, who we know is pretty well off limits for the Carolina Panthers. But they did find common ground enough to be able to make DJ Moore that option there but but in going through that Ryan Poles admitted that it's it's hard to value like how do you rate the value of a player like DJ Moore compared to a future draft pick or multiple future draft picks and you know you have to take into, into account DJ Moore's age his contract his production his fit with the bears and and how do you weigh that against the hypothetical future player so I found it really interesting that he reached out to the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't follow hockey super closely enough to like know his name and, and know his story, but it's interesting that he goes across town. Apparently, I think this Blackhawks GM has a has a reputation for player, for draft pick types of trades. And so, of course, polls isn't, isn't asking him, hey, what do you think, how many draft picks do you think DJ Moore is worth? But more so, they were able to talk philosophically about the kinds of things when you're, when you're, swapping picks for players in this sort of way, the kind of things you should consider or keep in mind as you try and make that decision for your franchise. So it's, it's really interesting to me that, that he's reached out to the the bears or the Blackhawks GM, right? It's not like he reached out to, you know, his former general manager in Kansas city or, you know, some sort of someone around and around football or around the NFL, someone that he could be, that would have a more like direct football opinion and not just like a hockey opinion. So that, that really stood out to me as an interesting path and an interesting resource that Ryan Poles relied on in this process. I also think it's interesting that when, well, the while well, we hear about the three players that Ryan Poles was interested in, and the article admits, you know, Poles and Scott Fitterer, the, the Panthers GM, neither one fully openly confirmed that list of three players was the three players they discussed. It really surprises me that cornerback JC Horn wasn't one of them. He's, their 2021 first round pick a a quality cornerback out of South Carolina that played well for them so far early in his career, or even their left tackle, uh, Ikem Ikwonu, the, the, he was a rookie this past season, their first round pick out of North Carolina state. Like those guys are all first round caliber players, young, cheap on good contracts, you know, and, and can plug and play really well in this bears team that, needs, uh, could use another cornerback and certainly needs a cheap offensive lineman. And yet, like totally understand Brian Burns being on there. And even, I mean, I get Derek Brown as well, but like why limit it to those three as the guys that you feel like you, you got to have, especially I think Horn. I mean, you could say that Equonu is not as proven or a sure thing yet, but I feel like JC Horn has shown that he's going to play at, at a really high level. So instead they end up doing DJ Moore, which we're all very, I think, happy and, and satisfied with as the option for the Bears. It was interesting that the Panthers GM was, was pretty open talking about DJ Moore as that piece in that trade and acknowledging, yeah, it was very difficult to move on from him and to keep him in there. But he said, like, originally their initial offers had three first round picks this year, next year and the year after. But that when Ryan Poles was kind of insistent on DJ Moore or one of the other players that he liked, the Panthers said, OK. We sort of see DJ Moore as being equivalent to one of the future first-round picks in this deal. So they took out the 2025 first-round pick and replaced that with DJ Moore. But then Ryan Poles initially wanted, you know, the first-round pick this year, second-round pick this year, and then the two future firsts. He initially wanted the, the second-round pick this year to be the first of the Panthers' second-round picks. The Bears ended up getting the second of the Panthers' set two second-round picks this season. The one. Later on in the draft, they they naturally own the 39th pick there in the second round. But the Bears couldn't pry that one free and instead got the pick that they had gotten from the 49ers for Christian McCaffrey, which was the 61st overall draft pick. But in that sort of give and take negotiations of polls saying, I want your earlier second round pick, the Panthers saying, no, but we'll give you our later second round pick to really put this deal over the top to say, OK, we added DJ Moore but we're not going to give you this early second round pick. There's too big of a gap between our draft picks. Then we'll give you our second second round pick. And Paul says, well, I'm going to need a little bit more. That's when the Panthers came back and threw in that future second round pick in 2015. And that was kind of the spot where, okay, Ryan Paul says, okay, I got enough compensation. I didn't get the second round pick that I want, but I got DJ Moore and an extra future second round pick. And the Panthers can say, okay, we didn't have to give up two firsts and we didn't have to give up the better of our seconds. This year, And we're, we're sort of spacing out the future draft picks that we're going to be missing out on. So it, it makes that draft pick deficiency in the future just a little bit more tolerable. And I think that's how you sort of see the negotiations and the compromise start to go together with how the Bears and the Panthers will ultimately be able to find enough common ground to pull a trigger on a deal like this. It's interesting that the Panthers were the first team to really reach out to the Bears about this. They seem to be the most aggressive. And I think that's why... Ryan Poles ultimately made this deal. It wasn't like he was pushing the Panthers to, you know, the, get the Panthers to commit to something they weren't really willing to commit to. It was like they were the team that was all over this and ready to go. Whereas the Colts weren't ready to pull the trigger, the the Ra- the Raiders weren't ready to pull the trigger, the Texans weren't ready to pull the trigger. So the market was a question mark. And when Poles had the sure thing and a value that he liked, he made the deal. And ultimately, I think Bears fans end up feeling pretty happy about it. And I think Panthers fans, certainly the Panthers organization seems to feel like, yeah, they had to give up a lot, but it wasn't an exorbitant amount. It was just, you know, enough to make the deal done and has some, some tough losses as a result of it. But if their quarterback pans out, it'll be worth it every single time. It leaves the Bears down at the ninth overall pick, where we've heard Ryan Poles talk about trying to get a blue chip type player and making sure you don't move down too far to get past too many players that are gonna be too good coming off of the board. And it sounds like one of those players that, might be a blue chip talent that maybe the Bears would hope is on the board at nine. Might not be, or might be pushing it a little bit, or is confident he won't be on the board past the top 10, even though there's some real questions as to whether or not Jalen Carter will get there. But we'll kind of talk through the head-scratching, I think a slightly head-scratching decision he and his agents are making in terms of this pre-draft process next on Locked on Bears. We know Jalen Carter is in this draft process with a number of red flags. You know, we've we've done a whole Jalen Carter podcast just recently. It was, I think it was last week. So if you want to get more of the details on why I really don't believe the Bears will be a team that drafts Jalen Carter. We heard Ryan Poles talk at the NFL owners meeting last week that I think hinted at Jalen Carter not exactly being their guy. But the Bears did bring in Jalen Carter for that, like, official – Top 30 visit, as it's called, he comes into House Hall, they interview him, they work him out, et cetera, et cetera, yesterday, uh, on Monday. And they're certainly going to do their due diligence, and I don't think the Bears are, are fully decided yet, but that process, that that meeting process will go a long way toward really cementing their feelings either way about Jalen Carter. But it was interesting then that his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, who is, you know, a, a, as close to a household name of agents as we get in the NFL, Drew Rosenhaus came out and said, Jalen Carter is declining visits with any teams picking outside of the top 10 in the draft. Direct quote Rosenhaus told ESPN's Adam Schefter, quote, I'm confident Jalen will go in the top 10. He's a good person, a family man, loves football, and is a generational talent. I certainly understand the, the confidence there. We know that Jalen Carter is the best or second best player. I think, individual talent in this draft with some very real red flags that will not make him the first or second player taken in this draft. But still, the talent there feels fairly undeniable. But again, we're not going to rehash all the, the Jalen Carter red flags. But to me, it seems to me like a, a strange approach here, right, to draw a little bit of a line in the sand. And I have a theory as to why they go about this. But first, I want to sort of talk about the perception and the way this looks and then why I think they're approaching it this way. Like, doesn't it seem like a little bit of a bad look, like an ego thing of like, hey, I'm not going out of the top 10. I'm not even going to talk to you other teams. Not that I'm not going to talk to them, but not going to accept the you know the same level of visit and attention from them because I'm so confident that I'm going to go in the top 10 because I'm so good. Like there's a line between wanting your players, your prospects, et cetera, to be very confident in their abilities. And then there's being, I don't know if cocky is the right word or just flippant about it, you know, overly confident in a way that's like, hey, man, like there's some real question as to whether or not you will go in the top 10 because you have were seemingly out of shape at your pro day and weren't, weren't able to really complete that because you had to leave the NFL scouting combine for an arrest warrant. And because there are murmurings in and around the Georgia program of certain, you know, work ethic motivation behaviors, like all of those add up to it, Will he fall out of the top 10? He's a top 10 talent, but could he fall out of the top 10 that that feels like one of the biggest question marks in the draft? It's not, a, it does not it hasn't felt like exactly a sure thing that he's going to be a top 10 pick. And yet they're approaching it like, yeah, no doubt he's a top 10 pick. I'm not even going to, not even going to give those other teams a time of day. It's like, why not form those positive relationships with those other teams go on the visits and, just in case, even if you're confident you're going to be drafted top 10, like eventually you're going to be a free agent and have to negotiate a free agent contract. And boy, wouldn't it be nice if you had met with some of those GMs before the draft so you have some sort of a relationship and give them an idea of the type of player you are? Like that's that seems to me like it's just good business to have your client be as available and open as possible to as many potential suitors as possible. The other thing here, that jumps out right away is that what if there's a team outside of the top 10 that was considering trading up into the top 10, maybe to take Jalen Carter. And now you say, okay, we're not going to meet with, I mean, pick a team outside the top 10. I don't don't have like a good example in front of me, but any team outside the top 10, I'm sorry, we're not going to meet with you. Well, are we going to trade up into the top 10? Say it's the the Patriots or the Packers or the Texans at 12 or something like that. I guess the Texans are in the top 10, so they would meet with him. But you know what I mean. If you're a team outside of the top 10, are you going to trade into the top 10 to draft a player that you didn't get to meet with when he has all those red flags? Like, it feels to me like maybe you're starting to turn away some of those potential suitors that you're not even properly accounting for. I can see if I have to play devil's advocate and just try and answer, well, why then? Why would they do this? What benefit could they have from it? I just wonder if given, like, think, think about this, right? Drew Rosenhaus, Carter's agent, goes to Adam Schefter, gives him this information and gives him these quotes, right? This wasn't like Schefter specifically doing some investigative journalism and reporting this. This agent wanted this information out there, wanted Adam Schefter to tell the world for him that Carter's not taking visits outside of the top 10. To me, that's trying, my theory here, is that's him trying to sort of create this perception and this demand for Jalen Carter and say, Hey, Hey, every, Hey, other teams, you might have concerns about him. You might have questions, but we know he's going in the top 10. We, we quote unquote, no, he's going in the top 10. So if you want him, you got to trade up and get him. If you're outside the top 10 and you want him, you got to trade up and get him sort of like sight unseen, right? A little bit like they met with him at the you know, combine and there's other opportunities to, you know, have connections and do your homework on these players without meeting them. But like, is it is it is the idea of making this public and putting this out there to try and sort of build the own hype for your for your client and say okay if I tell if I tell Adam Schefter and that he puts it out there that we are very confident he'll go in the top ten does that make every team that might want Jalen Carter get a little bit more desperate to make sure we got to take him we can't wait to take him we can't trade down and try and take him we just got to get him where we're picking or trade up to make sure we go and get where he's picking to me that's not that's still not a super Strong, smart strategy from the, from the outside. So it's not a foolproof theory on my end, but it's the best theory I can come up with as to why they would approach it this way to just create this perception of everything is fine and we're going to be so flippant about how fine everything is that we're not even going to consider the possibility that he gets past the top 10. I don't think it's a 100% requirement for a team to have had to have done a, a visit with him to still be able to draft him. But I think especially in his situation, maybe more than any other player, Those visits are going to be really important to determining whether or not a team, certainly like the Chicago Bears, is going to be willing to take a player like that. Again, don't think they will be. If you want to hear more of that rationale, go back and listen to last week's podcast about Jalen Carter and why the Bears sound like a team that's not going to pull the trigger on a player with that sort of issue. Really, what you should do is hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to Locked on Bears to make sure that you don't miss out on any of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis that includes on YouTube where the Locked on Lockdown Bears podcast videos are up each and every day. Really appreciate you making Locked on Bears your first listen today and hopefully every single day. If you're looking for your second listen, Our Locked On Podcast Network is your team every day. That includes all of your Chicago sports. Locked On Cubs, Locked On White Sox for the beginning of baseball season. Locked On Bulls as we get to the end of the NBA season. Locked On Blackhawks, who Ryan Pulse talked to their general manager before this DJ Moore trade. Locked On Illini and Northwestern as well for your college sports coverage. And across the country, your team every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, not just in Chicago. So go check out one of those other shows to make them your second listen. Come on back tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Bears and another opportunity to bear down.